0: Hello guys, thank you very much for listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast with me, Ali Maxwell, him, George Ellick. A real throwback to the old days. Many of you have been listening since day one, circa... I think April 2016, we are using the microphone that we used in those very early days that we bought for, for 30 quid, when we weren't <laughs> sure if this was going to get off the ground. Thankfully, normally, uh, we come with slightly better audio quality. This one, um, just a touch below, uh, but it's out of our control. George, um, you know, we, we, do, we don't miss much about those days. Fewer listeners, much Lower quality from us, I think, but um, it's not, It's nice sometimes to have a reminder of where you've come from. But well, at least Oxford were good then, <laughs> um, which was handy. But, Did they uh, get promoted that that season? No, I think was it was the year after. I
1: can't remember now. But um, it was. It feels so long ago. One of those. Um, I think the season we started, we were
0: just about to get promoted. But um, I seem to remember Burnley had just won the league that year. Yeah. And we're very Look, excited about them heading it's up been to the Pre. Well, we haven't right. seen them since, so that's quite know. a good shout ne- Next season. <laughs> yeah, next season. Let, let's get into it because, as tends to be the case, there's a lot that we want to get through, a lot that we're going to try to get through, and we don't always have um, you know two hours to do so. so we're, we're going to start at some speed and see where we get to. As always guys, if you wanted to get in touch with us, uh, we're at NTT20 pod. Um, and uh, we're always thrilled to hear from you We had some great Sunday scouting reports As always yesterday We're really, really grateful for those We're going to start at the, towards the top of the championship Where uh, leaders, Leeds lost away to Stoke City This was a great day for Stoke uh, Not so much for Leeds We're going to touch on both sides of this Starting with the positives, George Nathan Jones's first win uh, for Stoke uh, As Stoke manager, rather David Stoke fan uh, tweeted in to say Nathan Jones's wonderful Stoke City to Marcelo Bielsa's evil empire One. What a transformation in so many Stoke players, notably a Tabo, Adam, Shawcross, a Phobe, and a final league debut for Tyrese Campbell. The acid test will be games we're expected to win but this bodes well, will be patient. A win for Stoke that they very much uh, in, uh, deserved and in Nathan Jones they're starting to see what, what we what we uh, said they would see yeah well, I mean the
1: manner of victory was maybe not how we'd expect it and this is to take nothing at all away from um, from, from Jones and Stoke because they were good value for their win um, Leeds were below par but they, they enjoyed just 28.7% possession mm. in the game um, Stoke's passing accuracy in the game was 61% across the whole team so whole you can school. see there that it wasn't Necessarily, that the free-flowing attacking football we're used to seeing um, Nathan Jones' Luton team playing. Well,
0: that, that, and there's a reason for that.
1: Well, horses for courses, and also, as you say, you know, whether it was tongue-in-cheek or true, Nathan Jones said that he mixed up. He basically did exactly the opposite of what he's used to doing, just to, <laughs> just, to, just to confuse Marcelo Bielsa. Um, you have to feel slightly sorry, I think, for Pontus Janssen. Um, an absolutely ludicrous second yellow card. If you ask me, it, it wasn't a foul, and Furby clearly didn't seem to think that Pontus Janssen's head, um, you know obstructed him in any way he, yeah. he continued to go forward couldn't put the chance away and then it was called back um, I think by then though I mean I know it was, it was 1-0 but the writing was kind of on the wall and, and it's, it's a fantastic start for Stoke it's typical leads to, uh, to drop points as soon as I've written a, a piece for odds
0: checker saying that they're the bet to, uh, to win the league OK but well that, I, that's three league defeats in their last four have you got any concerns about that? You have to be concerned. You can't. Some real errors for that first goal, yeah. uncharacteristic from Cooper and then from Click as well. And for sure for the second. Um, I, I have to say that the, the other two defeats. One was to Nottingham Forest, went down to ten men. The other one was one of those games against Hull, where you know clearly the dominant side in the game didn't take their chances and, and conceded. Um, Hull pretty much scoring from their only two So after those two I was thinking Not that concerning, that happens over the course of a season Uh, And I I kind of feel the same About this one to be honest I'm not not particularly Concerned despite Norwich Gaining some ground on them And I think that despite Stokes' league position If you think about
1: the the players they've got at their disposal um, They've obviously improved um, Since Gary Gary Rowett left Or at least in this game they, they look to have done so so it's not as it's a tough place to go. It's, it's a tough stadium to go to. They're, they're a Premier League team last season, um, so I'm not massively concerned. I think it was bizarre of him not to play the new keeper, um, given that um, you know they're, they're whatever 20 games, 18 games from, from Premier League football. Um, you'd think when you got an upgrade of that quality and that calibre, you'd want to you'd want to implement that change pretty quickly. Um, although having said that, I don't think you can blame Peacock Farrell for, for either of the goals. No. Um, but just generally, I feel like when he comes in, it's going to improve the the defence, um, which is or, you know, already very good this season. Just thirty goals conceded, um, so I, I, I'm not too bothered. It's good for them. They've got Rotherham away, although that's you know it's a bit of a cliche. But it's not an easy place to go. Rotherham's home form is so much better than their away form. They've, they've picked up twenty one of their twenty five points um, at home, uh, and then obviously the crunch game against uh, against Norwich, which will really tell us. I mean, Norwich and, and Borough back to back, so they're going into a, 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 you know whenever you're top of the league it's always an important time of the season but given they've lost three of the last four um, they really need to bounce back on the road Against Rotherham uh, Before those two big games Against promotion rivals
0: On that, that funny quote from Nathan Jones He said It's been well publicised Marcelo watched 26 Luton games And two Stoke games <laughs> So he's well drilled on what our usual formation is uh, And he did change it From the, the four diamond two, uh, As the tactics writers call it That we saw at Luton And in their first game or two at Stoke uh, Three at the back three five two, And it worked uh, Of course you mentioned the that they were very happy to concede possession but they worked incredibly hard out of possession and that was really the key to keeping leads at bay to disrupt leads and also to to spring a few counter-attacks i mean 3-5-2 is is not hugely different from the 4-4-2 diamond you're just dropping that deepest midfielder back into the back line giving you a bit more um, i suppose confidence or, or giving them a bit more cover if you're not that confident in your centre-backs Um, then that does give you a bit more strength at the back. And, of course, you lose that body in midfield, which is why maybe a Luton side under Jones would have kept the ball a bit more. But in this instance, uh, they couldn't really do so. But, yeah, whether it was because of Spygate or not, it was a a really nice story from the weekend. Young Tyrese Campbell up front uh, on his league debut, I think, or his full league debut, uh, looked very, very good. So all positive for Stoke. Another Stoke fan, Ashley, said, I'm in love with Nathan Jones, which is uh, seems very over the top for uh, you know for, for, for after only three games, I think two of which you lost. But that's the measure of the man. That's the sort I of think... thing. And you saw him at full time doing his big, big waving arms, lots of clapping, and bashing his chest. That's uh, it, uh,
1: it means a lot, definitely. And I think that a lot, a lot of their fans had, had grown pretty tired of a the, the stale um, approach of, of Gary Rower and also just the chopping and changing between average managers, and uh, Nathan Jones even if it doesn't work out on the pitch which I think it will it won't be for lack of trying it won't be for lack of passion Um, so I can see why as a Stoke fan you'd feel especially with a guy who who, because obviously he's a Luton legend but in terms of of his uh, standing within English football many Championship fans won't know much about him many Stoke fans won't know much about him and so to have this breath of fresh air come in who you kind of feel is yours rather than belonging to any other teams at your level um, I think
0: will only enhance that further So uh, on Spygate, just to to give it a a small nod uh, 11 sides have signed a letter to the EFL requesting full disclosure of Leeds United's scouting techniques and included a series of questions they say they've not demanded points deductions but they they just want some clarification on some things Uh, are you enjoying this saga rolling on or are you a bit bored of it now? I don't think you've actually given your opinion on the whole thing on the podcast yet.
1: No, I did it on uh, Sheffield TV instead. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think that it's... Um, it's uh, Marcelo Bielsa's turned a negative into a positive and that's to be lauded. Um, I don't think that what he did in his press conference was particularly impressive, <laughs> uh, except for just the way he managed to get um, journalists eating out the palm of his hand um, and, and just general football fans um, by, by showing a level of detail that you'd hope... At least that everyone would, um, would carry out, and, and the, the biggest tell for me was in uh, Frank Lampard's um, press conference after the FA Cup win. Um, he said, "We all do. A- we all do analysis too." Yeah, which just shows that he's got under people's skin. And I'm I sure thought it was the
0: level. Mate. It was just it was just a tiny bit more than everyone else. I, 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 I made that point on Twitter, and someone said, "No, this is a bit different because he's got he's watched fifty games, most analysts only watched twenty five games." But,
1: and I think it's also different because he it's, it's him doing it.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, but do you think it is? It, I Possibly. mean, I don't think there's enough hours in the day, actually.
1: No, maybe not. I mean, it's definitely not him spying on the people. But, <laughs> but my point is more that the, the you know, clubs have like analysis departments in order to yeah. get this. Um, you know, to get all this detail That's their job Exactly And, and it, it feels like He's trying to imply That he's uh, hes doing A lot of it himself But uh, that's not to take any way, Anything away from him As a coach But the, these ideas That like Oh my god He watches games He has other teams Games on his laptop Yeah You know Me and you could sit here Right now if you wanted to And watch um, Ten hours of, of, of Luton under, under Nathan Jones Yeah not.
0: I was watching a, About two hours worth Of some clips for, for a young League 1 player The other day I mean, it was it was quite fun. It wasn't yeah. that fun. So but I've got, I've, you know, I, I, I give him respect for doing it for as, as and long as he that's the does. other thing. Quite often know, when, in Costa as well we with have, everyone else around him.
1: <laughs> when we have um, certain fans of certain clubs tweeting us saying, "How many of our games have you been to?" Yeah, but you know, there are ways of watching football that aren't just at the stadium or on a highlight show. Um, that you know, if you want to pay for it, or you have friends in certain places, you can get access to. A whole manner of EFL clips, and luckily enough, we uh, we do have that. I
0: can't think of any sets of fans that would have questioned George whether you've watched their team or not I in love, the last few months. I or love. So. I love that we, you've
1: asked what I think of it, and I'm basically sitting here saying that me and you are, are basically Marcelo Bielsa. So, yeah. um Yeah. So come, come hire us to lead your
0: team. <laughs> <laughs> um, Norwich are in second. They got a, a very comfortable win against Birmingham on Friday night to go one point behind Leeds. I don't think there's uh, uh, too much to say about this one apart from uh, that. We got a message saying the second half was basically the first boring half of football at Carrow Road this season because Norwich did their business in the first half in this one. And that, I think, is more impressive, more encouraging when looking forward uh, to the next or to the last 17, 18 games, I think that's impressive and encouraging, more so than all the late goals that they've been scoring, the late winners, the late equalisers, because um, they did their business early. Um, they were, they were, were able to play through what is generally a pretty stubborn Birmingham side uh, that knows its defensive systems well and, and to quash the threat for the most part of Djukovic and Che Adams, although Adams' goal was a fantastic take and... You know, when you watch the highlights every single week, there are there, there's the occasional goal, isn't there, where you just go, oh, okay, uh, that's of a higher level than uh, than what we're watching at the moment, whether it's in League Two or League One or in this case the Championship. I think there would have been some Premier League scouts sitting up a little straighter when Adams controlled that and, and crashed it in the near post in the space of a split second. Um, Sheffield United, big losers of the weekend, uh, lost to Swansea. Blades analytic who we must, uh, we must congratulate for getting a very exciting new job that none of us are allowed to know too much about. Uh, but based off, or based on really, or coming from the work he's done uh, analysing the EFL, not just the Championship, but Leagues 1 and 2, in his spare time, for all of our benefit, uh, congratulations to him. Uh, he said the, the, the Blades generally controlled the first half and missed two big chances, sharp. And McGoldrick. The second half, Swansea dominated. Potter's tactical setup, very nice with inverted wingers. McBurney dropping into a 10 with runners caused issues for Sheffield United, and his link up play was great. Uh, But the real man of the match was Leroy Fair. His physicality, press resistance, and general quality was too much for Blades as he took over in the second half. A deserved result for Swansea, but no real concerns for Blades. And that's quite refreshing, isn't it? You know, that's a, a disappointing defeat. But he's right to point out that Sheffield United could have been two up at half-time. Let's focus on Swansea then, because they've done the double over Sheffield United, that crazy game on opening day. And just every few weeks they show us a glimpse of what they could be, possibly what they will be, if they have a a really good summer. I'm sort of projecting to next season already and thinking maybe Swans could be quite exciting.
1: I think that's harsh. I think they're currently ninth in the Championship um, they're playing well. They've got a decent home records. Um, I don't think. So you're
0: saying they could be uh, dark horses for the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I mean they wouldn't particularly even necessarily be that dark. They're six points offered at the moment, um, and there are teams who I think are still pretty. Uh, you know, I, I think West, West Brom are one who people seem to assume they're going to be um, absolute bankers to, to be at least in the playoffs. I, I don't think so um, at all. Borough are continually struggling. Unable um, I mean, to put away A, a poor away team In Millwall um, Over the weekend um, Derby and Bristol City On good runs of form As, as, as a whole. As but I just think That it's still Pretty wide open Yeah um, And Swansea If they can maintain That level of form Could definitely get in Amongst it uh, It's interesting we, We've often this season Credited Graham Potter For, for picking up results With with a, basically A brand new team Without much experience But if you're looking At this one I don't know if it's Necessarily because They're playing against Better opposition, but mm. you're looking at the likes of Routledge, uh, Leroy, Reifer, Nathan Dyer, Carl Norton, all starting. So it was a bit more of an experienced um, makeup of this Swansea team, and, and and they pulled it off. And good to see Oli McBurney back. Uh, you know, I, I know that he, uh, James from Blaze Analytics said that he was playing as a ten, but that was definitely a number nine's finish. Just you yeah. know, getting getting in the box and in the 60 yard box and getting there first into a cross.
0: So it's been a real, uh, genuine delight for us, I'd say. Uh, just think, taking the, the, the time frame of since we've been doing the pod, he's one of the players that we've really seen emerge, and that's what's yeah. great fun about tracking mm. these leagues. All three of them each week is that you do start to see players emerge. McBurney up there with the ones who, who have sort of done the best under our watchful eye. Uh, what a what a sort of fun player he is, because he's bit, you, There's not really many players I can think of with his sort of profile, with his sort of skill set, um, and the way that Potter's managed him this season has been really interesting. Uh, obviously putting a lot of faith in him when you know he's had Wilfred Bonney in the squad but making sure that, that McBurney knew he, he would be the number one striker in the squad but he hasn't you know he has cho- he has moved him out of the team every now and again he's not just started every single game and and, and been given absolute free reign and, and clearly Potter exploring some of his other qualities by by playing him in this role where he can drop deep as well and, and link the play so all for McBurney's benefit in the long run and, and still scoring goals as well. Uh, Forest lost their first game under Martin O'Neill. It was a, a fantastic reception for him, as you'd imagine, at the City ground, but uh, a home defeat to Bristol City. Uh, this was a, a very, very even game, very tight game. Uh, the new man from Leicester, Ben Alouan, uh, almost putting Forrest ahead. But Bristol City, let's talk about them. They are Uh, Out of the cluster of teams outside the playoffs, they are uh, in pole position, just two points behind Derby in seventh. Uh, They're unbeaten now, I think, in 10 games. And I spoke on the betting show about how the main feature of this this unbeaten run hasn't actually been dominating the opposition. Uh, It's been keeping the opposition mostly at bay really impressive defensive numbers Uh, they've now got the second best defensive record in the league better than Leeds just worse than Borough uh, and equal to Sheffield United but uh, a real ability to win the tight games and you see teams all across the divisions I always think of Newport County uh, all their games are quite tight and they do quite a good job converting them into wins that's what Bristol City are doing that's what they did here Uh, if you're talking about one of the teams outside the playoffs to punch their way in then with Aston Villa faltering a little they're, they're probably you know obviously they're in the best position but they're probably the most likely as well
1: yeah but, but then I still am sure that you know 28 games gone 12 wins I just feel like by the end of the season there's going to be another another run of games where they struggle we see, yeah. it, we see it every season so whilst I think on their day they're definitely in the top 6 or 7 teams in the league and they're 7th at the moment on merit I, I, I wouldn't be um, backing them with my, with my Arlen Cash to improve on that just because I, I w- I'm always concerned about the fragility of, of Bristol City under Lee Johnson when they do go down, uh, as in when they go down to a defeat. Yeah. Um, good to see Casey Palmer there making an impact uh, yeah. off the bench, a really nice little reverse ball. I've, I, I'm,
0: I think I'm right in saying, and Blackburn fans, you'll have to tell me if I've got this wrong and I'm besmirching your good name, but I'm pretty sure when he joined Bristol City, there are quite a lot of Rovers fans in the comments saying, uh, he's lazy, he's, uh, he's not as good as everyone thinks he is and we're happy to see the back of him. I mean, straight in and, and making an impact at the team in seventh. So um, that's, that, he's obviously found the right place and, and Chelsea should know by now that sending your loan players to Lee Johnson uh, is a good idea. Um, they have kept seven clean sheets in 14 away games, Bristol City. Their away form is fantastic. Their home record, though, is the fourth worst in the league. So uh, a clear point of improvement needed if they're to, to really challenge the playoffs but impressed with their winning goal uh, sort of Norwich-esque I thought in its patience movement and, and the execution with that ball through from Palmer in a, in a tight space Preston had the perfect away day I reckon um, travelling down from uh, Lancashire to London to play QPR it was a win made in Exeter though because uh, Jaden Stockley and Jordan Story their two signings um, Story in the summer Stockley in January but the perfect away day, George, there's nothing better. Cans on the train. You've won only two games away from home all season. You've lost eight, uh, but there's some optimism there. You know that the team's better than their league position. Uh, your new striker, Jaden Stockley, scores a beauty early on. You outpass, out, press your opposition, more intensity, more quality on the ball. This is a, a team at home above you in the table. Uh, another young player signed from League two story scores. Your superstar Ben Pearson is breaking up play, dictating play from the base of midfield. He's not even getting booked, which is the true joy. And your underrated number eight, who actually plays number 10, confusingly, scores his ninth of the season. Um, And uh, and it's his first away goal of the season. So you find that quite funny because as away fans, you haven't seen Brown score yet. And to cap it off, your other new signing, Brad Potts, half. let that. me finish. <laughs> your other new signing, Brad Potts, scores a beauty on the half-volley for a 4-1 win. You get back home and you wonder how on earth you're 18th in the league table. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, find, it, I find it quite funny, the idea
1: of, of, of Preston fans bursting out in laughter when Alan Brown scores, <laughs> because it's funny to see him score away from home. Um, but, yes, I, I, it's, just, it's, it's a season for me. For Preston, that is full of so much potential, and it's just—it's almost frustrating now to see them click into gear and play so well. I mean, we predicted them to come comfortably in the top half, towards the playoffs, like in the playoffs, um, which made us maybe look a little bit silly early on, early on in the season. But I think now you can see the way they're playing, the the on days like that like their game against QPR uh, they're very very hard to deal with um, you know it's a very dynamic team It's Alex Neil plays a style of football that is really easy on the eye when it works well and, and as you mentioned they're not a team to go 1-0 and up and sit back they're mm. a team who, who wants to carry on going for the jugular um, so they're not going to push their way up into any kind of reckoning and, and I think safety is still safety and survival is still going to be the name of the game but it's 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 heartening to see them do this. The players you mentioned, it's very understandable to expect them to take time to gel, um, even if Potts and um, and uh, Stockley have just you know made made an immediate impact. Mm. Um, but you know you, you were speaking a second ago about Swansea being a team for next season. Um, I hope Preston don't become the Brentford of of, of of the future, where every season you think next season is going to be their season. But um, but given the the way that they're impressing unimpressed uh, here, the, the performances they're putting in fairly inconsistently um, suggests to me that that whilst there's a bit of work to do to make sure that this season isn't a disaster um,
0: they could be really exciting going forward I don't think it's out of the question that they could be and of course a lot would, would have to go their way and more improvement but just the type of team I'm thinking of could be a sort of British and Irish version of Norwich this season you know playing uh, having a disappointing season and then just making a few key decisions to to take the team to the next level and trying to ride it all the way Um, I'm not saying that will happen but I certainly don't think it's out of the question Um,
1: It's it's worth pointing out as well I mean that was their first win I think in six games um, they'd only scored four goals in their their five before so there are obviously still issues. It's not like they kind of massively turned the corner. They're not out of the woods at all. It's just games like that show you that the potential is there and that Alex Neil can really get them purring.
0: Same sort of story with Brentford, isn't it? Because uh, we obviously spoke to David Anderson on the podcast last week. Lots of detail about Um, their turnaround under Thomas Frank and and how impressive Frank's been really to ride the wave and make some changes that have ultimately benefited the team. And they're starting to move up the table, crucially uh, away from uh, the relegation zone and a 4-2 win against Rotherham. Some fantastic goals. Uh, Ben Rama coming up big there as well. So uh, another really good day to be a Bees fan. We did discuss them at length last week. So if you want to hear more about their three four two one system and why it's working so well and, and the key personnel then just drop back uh, a couple of episodes to last mondays um i just really
1: like Makoto's finishes yeah
0: i love this like tony cruz that like open foot just gliding into the box
1: and just burying, you know stroking it in the bottom Ooh. corner Um, and if I I didn't really realise that was a trait of
0: his. Well, I uh, think what I like is that he's obviously in a two, midfield two with Sawyers, and you'd expect really Sawyers to be the one lingering on the edge for that, and that maybe is what the opposition expect as well. We didn't think, as you say, Makocho necessarily had that in his locker but fantastic for them the second to... one
1: was so like so composed. Yeah. it's great
0: and just some, some really good ball movement as well in, in many of the attacks as well so a fantastic win for Brentford that's nine goals they scored against Rotherham uh, this season after a, a big win on opening day as well a couple of other wins just to touch on Derby uh, beat Reading 2-1 for Derby uh, they're in sixth they've been in the playoffs I think pretty much all season and it still kind of feels like to me they are keeping the chasing back at bay more so than going f- for the top two and, and feeling they can gun for the top two. I-, I don't know if you think that's fair to say. Um, this was a-, a pretty routine home win. I think Reading played quite well in the first half. Um, or-, or sorry, the opposite. That. Started terribly, and by the time they were behind, started to play properly, and that's a, been a trait of Reading all season long.
1: Yeah, my, my biggest concern for Derby is that if, you know, given that it's Ray Lampard's first job and given that um, it's all going to be very new to them, it, it feels like a work in progress, but it's hard to have a work in progress when you know, your, two of your key assets just aren't going to be there next season. Yeah. Um, if, 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 it, if this was, you know, we've mentioned it with a couple of others today, but if this was a team you could see going as a unit into next season you'd be thinking that they're setting a really good foundation which could improve you know the, the, they'll definitely be in the playoff picture this season I don't think they'll be, be better than that um, but
0: they really you know, I th- just feels like they're a little bit below the level of of some other teams in the league she's a cruel mistress the loan system she giveth and she taketh away Um, one interesting note and thank you to Ryan uh, Derby fan Ryan for sending this in he did mention that he was particularly impressed with John Swift for Reading and if you look at Swift's uh, impact since Jose Gomez took charge he's been really dictating play More, more involved in the build up Uh, than I think he has been and taking more responsibility so that is a a positive for Reading and uh, I know that the fans are still feeling quite positive about uh, their uh, survival potential so an away defeat at Derby nothing to get too worried about Um, he did mention run-ins and uh, specifically Derby they've only got one of the top six left to play this season Um, I went on soccer stats and they do have in terms of points per game average of their remaining opponents uh, clearly and easily Uh, the easiest run-in from now to the end of the season. But as one of those weird quirks of the fixture system, they still have to play 7th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th and 13th away from home. So the points per game average might look in their favour. But I I would say that those games are are all going to be very, very tricky. So uh, not not quite as good news as we thought, really. Down at the bottom, Reading have got a much easier schedule with that same metric as their relegation rival so they can feel very positive positive. Um, they've had the hardest schedule in the whole division up to this point uh, and the second easiest from now behind Derby so um, positives for Reading despite the defeat they definitely had spells in that game where they caused Derby some issues just like they did on opening day remember uh, and Derby have signed Ashley Cole uh, on a deal till the end of the season uh, kind of a bit of a random one we have already got a fair few left backs it Is just, this going to be one of those Like he brings us well, what, Dressing room that's quality what, That's exactly what Lampard said Yeah um, Which Yeah You don't necessarily
1: think Of Ashley Cole And, and being You know The, the senior Dressing room figure That that, um, that would bring a boost But You're talking about a guy Who's Arguably One of the best footballers The country's ever produced Yes. Yeah. Um, and probably one of the best le- Left backs of, of, of our lifetime at least mm. Um, so, I mean, it, it was when we were texting about it earlier. It was bizarre. I was about to write, um, you know, I can't really see him being any better than Scott Malone, and then you realise it's Ashley Cole, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and having not seen Ashley Cole <laughs> play football for, for four or five years, or three or four years at least. No, I think that's fair though. Yeah, it, it's tough to know what he's got, but you know, Lampard is no better than anyone. And, and if if he if he isn't up to the task, um, you know, he, he's been there and he's done it, and he's probably a bit maturer than than uh, than back in the day.
0: Yeah, I said uh, to you, what's the 2029 version of this 2019 um, sort of former teammates quirk I I went with Jesse Lingard joining Chris Smalling's Blackburn Rovers and you went with uh, Harry Winks joining Harry Kane's Nottingham Forest I mean if Forest can get a 32 year old Harry Winks then there'll be the heel of either fallen a long way I was, or...
1: I was trying to think of, of, of better ages then I think I was thinking maybe Jamie Vardy managing someone and I had to stop there because that was just too terrifying to, <laughs> to really process
0: uh, a couple of draws Villa 2 Hull 2 uh, Hull you'd have thought happy to take a 2-2 before the game not happy to take a 2-2 having been 2-0 that was the end of their 6 game winning round, but uh, you know another good performance I think there's a sense that given how much they hurt Villa in the first half you know it, it was Important, the Villa turned it around in the second half because otherwise the fans were starting to get a bit worried. And, and if you look at Villa's defensive record at home this season, I believe they've conceded the most goals at home in the whole division. Then that's clearly undermining um, any sort of promotion aspirations at this stage. I guess the question mark, and I didn't really want to linger on Villa Hull, but as I'm speaking, I'm thinking of it. I guess there's a question mark as to whether Dean Smith, and as a defensive coach. Uh, I've seen Walsall and Brentford fans discussing this in our mentions this week, whether in the short term, he's the sort of coach that can set up a team defensively on short notice. He's clearly done wonders going forward and even in the long term as well. Got to be a a concern at least. Yeah, it is a concern. Um, You look at who's sitting next to him in the dugout
1: and you think he'd be able to uh, to, to get a defence set up properly. Um, but, But the thing about Brentford... Dean Smith, Brentford at least, was that whilst they did concede goals and they conceded goals at, at bad times, um, going look like in terms of the actual data itself and the xG ratio, they were still performing very, very well. It wasn't like they were conceding multiple um, high, high xG chances. Mm. So, and because of the, the nature of the, of the young squad at Brentford, it was always kind of looked like that was the issue. I mean, now you've got James Chester and, and, and Tommy Elphick and Alan Hutton and these guys have, have been part of good defenses in the past. Um, and, and have enough experience now that, that they shouldn't be um, unable to see out games and, and conceding goals at a bit important times. So I think we're going to see. And, and also, I know it's a long time ago, but that that Walsall team as well, that Dean Smith looked after, didn't weren't, weren't leaky in the slightest. So it, it's hard to say now. Um, it, it's early days still for this team, and I think that remedying the, making sure that the, a team of that attacking talent was a far better attacking team than Steve Bruce's version was the was the initial. Challenge, which he's succeeded in, and it looks like they've sacrificed a fair bit at the back uh, after that. And it's now the next few weeks will show us if,
0: if if he's able to to do both. Jared Bowen scored for Hull in the first half. Questionable goalkeeping from the new goalie uh, Kalinic for sure. Uh, but Bowen, I think it's nine and eight, or maybe ten and nine, whatever it is. It's uh, sensational. Seems a good time, George, to mention that uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, you'll be appearing on a very popular. Podcast called Transfer Talk.
1: Yeah, really exciting. Um, the good people at at Sky who are very good to us—they are um, very good to us. Have given us a call today, given me a call today, and uh, just asked if we can uh, just come on for, for five or ten minutes and just run through a couple of EFL players, Championship players specifically, um, who should be targets um, for, for Premier League clubs. Um, so Players sure... that you
0: think can make the step up.
1: Exactly, and they don't necessarily have to, necessarily have to be linked to anyone. Just five players who I think uh, if they were bought now would be shrewd signings for Premier League clubs. So
0: make sure that you download that and have a listen. It's always an interesting question as well because it's not quite as simple as just looking at necessarily the best players or or, or the best performing players at this stage. Lord knows we've seen plenty of, of very very good championship players struggle to make any sort of impact on the league. So you have to consider what sort of player they are, their age, their, their
1: potential. I mean, if, if we'd done this two years ago, probably top of the list would have been um, Forestieri and Kearney. Yeah. Uh, Forestieri now, you know, it's, it's worth a fraction of what he was worth back then. And Tom Kearney is having an absolutely terrible campaign um, in the Premier League. So are you say
0: we've got better predictions though? No, I'm,
1: I'm, <laughs> I hope so. Well, yeah, I, I still maintain at least Kearney in, in the right team would. You know, or that version of him would be good, but it's just more about, you know, for example, uh, you know, someone like Bradley Dack, who yeah. I may or may not be talking about tomorrow, who, in my opinion, would be massively suited by by the you know increased space that you can maybe get in the Premier League um, and around the box and playing for a team who who maybe are on the front foot a little bit more than the Blackburner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just trying to work out a, a gag where I I called. Uh, I made a hybrid footballer called Dak Grealish uh, and just considered how much you would love that footballer. you just did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, that's just why I was distracted. That's why the uh, the segue didn't work as, as well as it normally does. Uh, anyway, uh, definitely subscribe to Transfer Talk. Make sure you listen to that uh, on Tuesday once you're finished with this one. We're going to move on now uh, to League One, uh, which is now uh, officially known as, I think, uh, the greatest league in the world. Uh, in terms of Things to watch across all football. And I haven't looked at many of the European second and third tiers, but I can't think there's too much more interesting than League One at the moment. So things happening at top and bottom and actually results on the weekend that made a big difference to both the top and the bottom. Uh, My first note uh, of my podcast notes this week was something like, this is the greatest league in the world. I can't think of too many others where bottom teams so routinely upset Uh, top teams at the moment Um, certainly in the championship it feels like when let's say Ipswich or maybe Bolton take on Leeds or Norwich the gap is is very marked and the chances of them getting results seems very very small but in League One not the case and we're going to start with Oxford 2 Portsmouth 1 certainly a result that you didn't see coming I think it's fair to say but definitely not with the fan hat on over the moon unbelievable
1: yeah, and, and fully deserved as well. Um, had the better chances, had the better of the game, but w- looked way more up for it. I think Portsmouth um, have uh, their social media team maybe to slightly blame for uh, for the impact. Yeah, the explain,
0: explain that one to the listeners.
1: Well, uh, I think it was Carl Robinson's first game or second game. Swear, um, we were not there. season. We were there. Yeah. It was the first game, wasn't it? Live on Sky. Yeah. Um, at Fratton Park. Um, Alex Mowat missed a penalty and um, Nathan Thomas came over to him Thompson. And, sorry, Nathan Thompson <laughs> came over to him afterwards and uh, shouted, screamed in his face, uh, for which Alex Mowat gave him a slap and was sent off. <laughs> and we ended up losing the game 3 uh, 0. Uh, and Portsmouth just tweeted a, a, a nice gif of, of, of Thompson in, in Mowat's face and said, Who's looking forward to uh, Saturday? Yeah. Um, which is an interesting thing to do before the, uh, before the game. And Carl Robinson said afterwards that uh, a lot of the players are sending him texts saying, "Have you seen this?" <laughs> and and whether good it's good relationship what, with the manager when you're when you're sending
0: him Twitter links, I being know. like, "All right, Gaffer, you seen this, mate?" Cry right. I mean, face emoji. W- whether
1: or not that's a uh, whether whether it's true or not, who knows? But that was certainly the line afterwards. And uh, James Henry was uh, looked fairly pumped up when he scored the second. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was good to see because I think in recent weeks you can argue the fight hasn't been there. Um, so fingers crossed. i mean still desperate for a striker or two. I think that'll come in the next uh, week or so. Ten games till our, ten days till our next league game, which is handy because Accrington have, have, have qualified in the FA Cup. So um, ten days till, till Barnsley, which I hope you're joining me at. If, uh, yeah, yeah. If Unless goes, I
0: get a better a better offer.
1: If all goes to plan. So uh, maybe there'll be a striker or two in by then. But yeah, really, really positive. And and um, I, I advise everyone, anyone who's interested by. Um, the the, the goings on at Oxford in the last couple of weeks including Gavin White's um, behaviour including the HMRC tax bills um, and just the general poor form to give Gregor Robertson's um, column in the Times from today a read Um, it's yeah very insightful
0: yeah uh, sorry I'm just (laughs) yeah you distracted me talking about that Gavin White video I'd forgotten about it and it it was truly one of the more remarkable things I've seen I feel like I've seen a lot not? now
1: yeah, When Gregor tweeted The link to the um, article today um, He captioned it Saying not an opening sentence I thought I'd ever write And so just so you can to give you a taste um, Or maybe that's the wrong word a or a fantastic bit. writer Gregor yeah, Robinson is His uh, the first line is You know it's been a tough week For a club When footage on social media Of one of their players Masturbating in the street Is <laughs> not the source Of the, their most Unflattering headline <laughs> Um, so as you can imagine, it's, it's a cracking read. So. I've
0: would used windmilling uh, as the verb there personally, but uh, <laughs> I think, well, I full respect. I think you need to give it another look then. OK, I will give it another look, a closer look. Um, uh, what else? I mean, that Oxford-Portsmouth result, just the latest in a long line of, of things that make me think, why on earth do we try and predict anything uh, in League One? And I just want to celebrate the, the tightness at the top because uh, genuinely, I think this is now as tight as it's been all season the odds reflect that there are to my eyes now five teams gunning for two automatic promotion spots which with uh, 18 games to go is, is a real treat for us Um, and and how do you try and predict this let me run you through uh, the top five Uh, Portsmouth top of the pile Uh, they've been there all season generally they've reacted very well to a defeat Um, not so in this case but they have always been the team to beat they've been leading the way since very early on Luton uh, in second they've got the best goal difference they've won 13 of their last 18 games an astonishing record Sunderland The fewest defeats all season in the league. They've scored in every single league game. Uh, They've only lost twice. Charlton, 10 wins in their last 14 games. Barnsley, uh, in fifth, the best defence in the league, unbeaten in seven games with five wins in that time. And the other two were draws against Luton and Portsmouth. Barnsley were still getting Sunday scout reports um, saying they're the best team in the league. They're the best team we've played against. They're in fifth. Uh, It's absurd and it's so close. Matt was at that game, said... Um, Wimbledon actually did pretty well against Barnsley and they could have been ahead Barnsley fans reflected that as well Jake Jervis especially showing why uh, Wimbledon have underperformed their XG so substantially all season um, but he said Barnsley are excellent McGee and particularly good Tiam destroyed uh, Tenai Watson their head and shoulders the best team in League 1 Wigan 18 quality so if you're saying that about the team in, in fifth after 30 games it just shows that this is probably our favourite division to cover at the moment Definitely. Um, It's good to see Barnsley back in amongst it. I I think that
1: now we can probably just about say, with with Peterborough in the form they're in, Um, and five points of drift to Barnsley (laughs) I think we have a top five
0: yeah their Um, their Twitter account tweeted today make sure you buy tickets for our clash with fellow promotion hopefuls Charlton on on the weekend or whenever it was Uh, and a lot of the replies were like yeah sorry guys uh, we're we're definitely not that
1: yeah I I think now it's it's a race for that sixth spot you could maybe see a couple of the teams uh, I, I don't think Barnsley I mean Sunderland and Charlton you could feasibly see going through a sticky run and being Brought back towards that that bottom spot, but I still think that that five will finish the top five um, at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so, I suppose then it's between Peterborough, um, Doncaster. I mean, there aren't many teams. I mean, when you go below Doncaster, suddenly it's a relegation fight. <laughs> yeah. um, where Blackpool are just eight points clear of twenty-first. Of so. And I was looking at the at the goal differences. You've got Coventry, who are in ninth, who have a minus three goal difference. And then you have Bristol Rovers in twenty twenty second with a minus five goal difference.
0: Oh no! Absolutely, and people
1: tell me the goal differences are more important than XG to work out how good a football team is. <laughs> no, thank
0: you. Um, okay. Uh, well, we've we've made our point on the top part on the top part of the division. Uh, Let's make a point about the bottom part of the division because uh, this is what makes it so special. It's not just the battle for automatics. It's the relegation battle as well. Four places, as we know, up for grabs in League One. And uh, I'm going to do a similar thing as I did for the top teams, for the bottom teams. You've got Wimbledon at the very bottom. They are seven points off safety. uh, And for most teams, that would be it. But there's genuine feeling around the place that they are playing quite well, that they are a completely different team under Wally Downs. Uh, than they were previously and that uh, it's not over and that that, you know it's still possible that they could go on a run and and perhaps the results are are probably not reflecting the performances at the moment you've got Bradford who are second bottom not long ago we thought they'd finished top half they've actually they they won four out of five around Christmas time they scored 13 goals and conceded one in five games Uh, Bristol Rovers uh, their third bottom they were five unbeaten before they lost uh, to Wickham on the weekend Plymouth are up in 21st three wins in a row for them uh, four unbeaten overall and then Oxford just outside you've only lost four of your last 17 games in the league um, it just so happened that three of them came back to back to back and it and it seemed like a, a, a bit of a spiral and then one point above Oxford Rochdale, Gillingham and Shrewsbury who we haven't really talked about as relegation teams that much because they haven't been in the relegation uh, places but they must all be absolutely terrified at the moment at Plymouth probably apart from Oxford the ones to talk about from the weekend Ruben Lamirez, two goals against his old club commentary six goals in his last four games from which they've won three and drawn two he'd only started two of the ten previous games which makes you wonder why
1: yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure why because his goal-scoring record for, for Plymouth has been really, really good uh, ever since he joined. He didn't come with a goal-scoring reputation from Coventry, but um, he seems to be the Graham Carey of this yeah. uh, of this turnaround. But I, I, I'm learning from mistakes here, where every time a, a team such as Plymouth, you no, know, it's been Bradford, um, it's been Oxford, go on a little run, we seem to think right, they've improved, they're going to be fine.
0: It doesn't work that way. Well, what's uh, your what, it doesn't work that way. So, so what are you going to do in your predictions now? Just not predict. Just go anything? against the No, no. <laughs> just see who's doing well just, and then just, say that they're just, going to get. Just
1: remember that this, you know, it, these teams we think are getting themselves out of trouble. I mean, even even Scunthorpe, who have won four and drawn one of the last five. Yeah, they're still just just four points clear. It doesn't take much to um. I do get your to, point. To, to see them slide. I mean, the, yeah. the teams that I'm really worried about now. I mean, you've got to be concerned about Fleetwood. Um, just. Really struggling to to get put put wins together to get points on the board, losing so many uh, winning positions. It's it's really tough for them. That was a massive win for Walsall on the weekend as well um, to to get that away win. Because you lose that game when they're really really sliding down towards it. Um, but a huge relegation clash is coming up tomorrow night in AFC Wimbledon against Fleetwood. Mm. Um, because it, if AFC can can get home there, suddenly they're not detached at the bottom. Suddenly Fleetwood are really in amongst it. Um, whereas Fleetwood can lift themselves up to, uh, to eighth or ninth place with a win there, which is incredible. They lose that game and they are they are really really looking over their shoulders and win that game and they're you know just two places outside the playoffs.
0: Yeah, my favourite thing from the weekend because uh, listeners to the betting show will know that it, it, it was another poor one for me, but uh, the, the bet that I tipped up as a fun one to follow that wasn't part of my results, uh, a 14-1 winner, uh, when I, I worked out that Fleetwood were obviously going to be beating Rochdale at halftime because Rochdale are miserable in the first half, um, and that Fleetwood are miserable in the second half, so that, that game finishing as a draw. So uh, it was good for my wallet, but won't be good for my uh, results. Uh, but we have to give two quick shout-outs, one to a team and one to a player. South End uh, went to Bradford and won 4-0, some of the highest quality goals you'll see uh, in, in, in one game uh, at this level. Uh, a reminder of their last 10 games, loss-win, 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 loss-win. Uh, in that time, they've won five games to nil uh, and also lost at home to Rochdale and Plymouth. So South End kind of summing up the league in general at the moment. But in Stephen Humphreys, if they can get him to do that every week, they will be pretty chuffed and, and uh, Scunthorpe will be wondering why they couldn't get that out of him. Because some really, really good performances uh, from him and, and Simon Cox with a beautiful goal the outside of his foot and the individual shout-out to Andy Cook of Walsall. Can't ignore a hat-trick even though Gillingham's defence made it about as easy as they could have done. Uh, he showed his best attributes, I would say. Uh, real power, great strength in the air, uh, good strength on the ball as well uh, to score a, a hat-trick. Walsall with a very welcome away win. Uh, in League 2... Lincoln, the top team, they had a, a very, very good week, I think it's fair to say, beating their rivals um, in in a game that wasn't that bad-tempered on the pitch, but became quite bad-tempered on the computer afterwards. A, a lot of Grimsby fans not happy about the officiating, uh, a lot of Lincoln fans enjoying that fact. Uh, of course, sometimes you think... You know how are these League Two refs so bad? But the referee for that game, won Michael Dean, Mike oh, Dean, Michael. sending off, sending off James McEwen. Um I, I also really like the way he kind of almost brushed
1: past McEwen after after giving the red as well. It was just, it was so. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where he is, you know, how big the game is, what league he's in. He's still Mike Dean, and he still um, had a, had a, you know, loved the drama of the occasion. I and imagine he offered, offered you
0: know, a few it. autographs to some of the players afterwards. He, he Do you seems, think it was a red? Uh, Yeah, I I think I did. uh, That's the great thing about goalkeepers is that when they do decide to rush out of their goal, they're obviously travelling at such speed. Mm. And generally, if it's 50-50, you you know, you will dive in just to give yourself extra chance of getting there. I I didn't think he got there. And therefore, he has absolutely launched himself in at pretty much full speed. Um, So I don't know whether it was for recklessness or... Denying of a goal scoring opportunity. It probably could have been either or both. Um, But a great day for Grimsby, just in terms of the league table as well, because there's quite a lot going on below them, isn't there? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of. It's like a sort of shoal of piranhas below them, just sort of thrashing it out for bits of meat um, that represent the other two automatic promotion spots. A bit of a partridge moment there. But um, the the game of the day uh, Mansfield, Colchester, and Colchester tune it up at that point thinking. Everyone keeps banging on about Mansfield and Berry, but don't forget about us and um, losing 3-2. Quite a damaging day for them, um, but for Mansfield, a great win. Nicky and Jose and George Grant join on loan. That's going to make a difference. Really
1: strong. Um, they're, I mean, given how how strong their um, their attacking options were before that, um, to bring those two in is really impressive. Um, you know, it's, it's an absolute embarrassment of talent now. <laughs> if you think at League Two level to have a Jose um, Walker Hamilton. You know, these guys are all really, really sort of players at the level and players that everyone would want to have in their squad. Um, and even looking at their bench on the weekend, the likes of you know Otis Khan, um, who I know hasn't really impressed, but it was, was a big signing for yeah, him in yeah. the summer. Um, so suddenly, I mean, we, I think you and I both had kind of convinced our, ourselves and each other it was going to be a, a Lincoln MK Don shootout. Um, Lincoln still very much at the top. MK going through a sticky run of form. Fifth and, place, Link. Uh, MK9. Um, but I have a sneaky feeling that either Berry or Mansfield will win the league this season. Really? Mm. Care to expand? Well, yeah, I just think that after not slow starts, but after. Um, yeah, I
0: think you could say. Slower starts. Yeah. I mean,
1: if you think that Mansfield have only lost three games this season, um, the failure to convert those, those draws into wins, and, and Lincoln got off to an absolute flyer, um, and there's just three and four points separating the three of them. And I think just based on, on the, the way they currently play, based on the attacking talents of Bury and Mansfield, where each have a couple of players who on their day are, are, are way too good for League 2 level, and there seems to be no risk of losing them at all this, this window. Mm. Um, if I was a manager now, playing, who would be the two teams I'd, I'd fear the most playing? It would be Bury be and Mansfield.
0: Yeah, Barry with a great win away at Forest Green, coming back from 2-1 down. Uh, they've now pl- played pretty much all the lads away from home, uh, just, just Carlisle from the top seven for them still to play away. They've got Lincoln uh, on the 26th this Saturday at home. That's a that's a big game. And to be honest, uh, that shout from you about Bury or Mansfield winning the league might not look uh, particularly impressive. Well, it will look impressive, but it won't look in any way surprising no. if Bury can, can beat Lincoln. That's going to be a fantastic uh, game of League Two football. Uh, it's funny that you said that because I said to... Uh, the great Lincoln blog, the Stacey West on Twitter. Um, after this weekend, I basically said, "I'm sure that as fans, you're not trying to jinx anything." But I thought I would just tell you, uh, as a as a neutral, that I think it is absolutely nailed on that you guys will be playing League One football next year. And that's you're not saying they won't, but you are. Wondering whether there might be a different champion that, than we might expect at this stage. Um, four wins in a row for Berry, really, really impressive, of course, uh, and for all the reasons you mentioned. Shout out to Cambridge as well; they've, they've won three on us on the spin, uh, finding their school, uh, finding their goal-scoring touch as well uh, in recent weeks. And um, when we were looking at teams that might get sucked into it, we did look at Cambridge when Colin Corderwood just before he was appointed. Um, and it's not over yet They're only five points Above the relegation zone But, but a mightily impressive Few weeks uh, And I think uh, A couple of other things To touch on Crew Beat MK Dons They did They seem to have Cracked the code a bit David Artel um, It's fair to say The first half of the season Was a bit of a non-starter For them After an amazing 6-0 win on opening day They could barely score For the following 20-25 games um, but a really impressive last few weeks they've outplayed Lincoln uh, they're good for, they were very good for their win at Stadium MK um, and, and the talent that they've got in the squad the talent that they always have in the squad and have done for decades um, in this case Kirk Ainley uh, Jones Pickering and, and Perry and G, um, uh, starting to find some consistency and, and playing some really good stuff so um, before the weekend before that win at Stadium MK their away record was one win, three draws, ten defeats, the worst in the, in the league. Um, now it is uh, slightly better than that. So uh, lots of positives. They could be moving towards the top half. Seems unlikely uh, that they'll make it all the way into the playoffs. And uh, a new manager in League Two as well, Stephen Presley uh, at Carlisle. I think uh, given the way that Sheridan left and the position he left them in, quite impressive really and shows the character of some of the, the leaders in the squad, the likes of Granger and Devitt. Uh, that apart from a loss against Northampton last week, good win, they're in fourth at the moment, but it's a yeah. great job for, we said at the time, brilliant job for anyone to take, uh, could end up making Stephen Pressy look very, very good if he can get this right.
1: Yes, although um, I think we, we kind of agreed that maybe they were running a little bit hot and therefore if you're taking over a team where the expectations are... Um, unrealistic Compared to your budget And the quality you have At your disposal Then it's a very bad job to take <laughs> um, And it always concerns me Stephen Presley comes in um, Seemingly before He's even taken a look At his squad And says we're going to play Attractive football here guys
0: Yeah I like that And I, I don't like that No but there's look, there's. You can play a game of bingo With a new manager There's at least course, Four phrases Of course But one of them Will always get used Normally it's about Improving the fitness
1: You're coming in In mid-January And your team is on the brink Of the playoffs in League 2 On not a budget That, that's, that would suggest That you should be there So just say you're going to do your best to get them into the playoffs and don't sully that with any ideas that there's going to be um, beautiful football on the show because realistically right now what would, Car- would Carlisle fans prefer? Um, I have a feeling that the points are more important than the style, at least until the end of the season when, when the recruitment and the, uh, and the pre-season training can be geared around a certain style.
0: Yeah, they've lost a couple of their sort of key loanees from the first half of the season. So all the more impressive to to keep maintaining the results. Um, And what else? Big wins for Yeovil, uh, who I spent about two months sort of slagging off, saying I thought they were going down. Uh, They've they've had two good wins, uh, really, really important wins. Uh, Still only three points above the relegation zone, but they've got a, a game or two in hand. The reason why it's still only a a couple of points is because Macclesfield continue to do the business. Uh, Six wins and 20 points in their last 11 games. That is sort of uh, mid-table form rather than uh, relegation form. And and some absolutely fantastic finishing in recent weeks is something that stood out. Scott Wilson's finishing is just on another level at the moment. Uh, And uh, they certainly seem to be in very good form. The same cannot be said for Notts County. They lost uh, against Yeovil. That was a huge game you do feel uh, Notts County now seven points adrift very few f- positives to take that the four or five new players we were told they needed uh, either haven't come or aren't making an impact immediately and that, that's of course the, the risk of relying on January signings and um, they could be heading into non-league for, their fir- for the first time in their 156 year history which would be a really really sad state of affairs uh, last thing Oldham Athletic Jack or Jack Gagan Uh, he's a journalist I don't know how you say it I'm going with Gagan because he does work in the press Um, and I thought that was quite a nice gag but he is reporting that Paul Scott Gagan press it's a Gagan press got you Yeah.
1: got you I was going to go for Gorn
0: (laughs) Jack Gorn or Gagan uh, says Paul Scholes is expected to sign an 18 month contract to become Oldham's new manager over the next 10 days sometimes it does feel like the EFL has gone into football manager mode we were told he was going to finish his career there. I remember always saying to my mates, "Yeah, Alan Shearer is going to go to Gateshead, and uh, and Scholes is going to go to Oldham. They, they've both said they really want to finish their careers at so their local team." Uh, he didn't do that. Of course, he didn't do that. But maybe his penance is uh, taking them over in in League Two. Basically, but also,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's easy for us to turn our nose up at, at these guys getting jobs. I mean, Sol Campbell's the obvious example,
0: where and, and he's obviously doing he's doing great stuff at... I would say if it Manchester sounded school. like I was turning my nose up, that's not necessarily how I meant it to come out. I just It just seems very surprising. As of a year ago, this hadn't happened really with anyone apart from Teddy sharing up Stevenage. Now we've got all these players we grew up with, the best players in the world, Lamps, Sol Campbell, Paul Scholes, um managing in the EFL. I think it's brilliant, Just surprising.
1: Another part of that as well is... is the you know the culture of celebrity within football means that these guys now exist. I mean, if you're looking back at, at managers from from the generation before ours, they were they were great footballers. There are a lot of fantastic footballers who've gone on to manage. Um, so it, it's not. I think it's just because the likes of you've got someone like Alan Shearer who went to Newcastle. I mean, there there is precedent precedence for this. Um, Paul Scholes going, he's been linked to the Oldham job, but basically ever since he retired, or mm. even before he retired and it is his local club Paul scores obviously loves football and wants the opportunity to to, to
0: manage this team
1: um, jack
0: Gorn or Gordon or doesn't always or sound like he loves football when he's when he's punditing does he
1: no but <laughs> that's just there's, his there's, that's just his
0: manner though.
1: yeah um i am not going to pass judgment before he um before he takes over um he is someone who maybe unlike sol campbell i, I have more i have more faith that he understands um Football fairly well. I mean, if anything, the, the Salford experience will put all those guys in a much better position to be successful in football management. He's going to have to
0: uh, cut ties, isn't it? But,
1: but they they understand the business side of, the, of football. You yeah. know, if you, if you listen back to the Appleton interview, he did. He said that the thing he thought he was best at at Oxford wasn't the, the coaching. It was all the stuff in the boardroom. It was negotiating with with the owner. It was looking at new new players and, and working out recruitment strategy. But just something that Sculls would have had experience with already. Managing upwards. And if, and the and the way that they already that Oldham recruit their players at the moment is fairly different to other teams um, you know the, the journalist has said that he's told the owner he'll pack it in if there's any interference in the team so he's obviously expecting to have full reign over Has he seen who they've signed in the last selection. week or so? Yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm really interested I'm not I'm not, I'm not ruling uh, I think that we've maybe or I certainly um, have had to slightly change my opinion on these guys coming in where you know, Frank Lampard now looks every, every inch the championship manager Um, Sol Campbell has has turned results around at at Macclesfield. These guys were fantastic professional footballers. That does not mean they're going to be good managers. But the ideas that they were underqualified were maybe
0: a bit wide of the mark. I did crack a wry smile when you said, I'm not going to make any judgments before he's appointed, given that sometimes now that more people listen to the podcast than they're used to, um, we do get asked to appear on radio shows or occasionally TV shows when something like this happens where that is very much what people are asking you to do so let's well, hope Talk Sport didn't hear that because. well no, because uh, then I will <laughs> my opinion is that he that, that I, I don't have an opinion brilliant, fantastic, well he would presumably have to give up uh, his involvement with Saltford City who might well be in League 2 next year uh, I'm not 100% sure on that but it, it would seem certainly like a Conflict of interest, obviously, if they're in the same division. Uh, so keep an eye on that one. It'd be fantastic to see him back at Oldham. Uh, I say back at Oldham as if he's played there, which he didn't. But it just feels like you know that's his sort of spiritual home. Um, they have signed in the last few days some really interesting players. Um, one of them is Sonny Seffel, who uh, was unattached but has been playing last season for AS Lyon Doucher in Le National, which is the third tier in France. Um, uh, uh, um, not, it's not as good as our third tier, put it that way, but um, a centre-back, <clears throat> very tall. You'd have thought, um, Abdallah Lemsegem, the owner, um, using his extensive contacts book from his time as an agent uh, to pull in old uh, Sonny Sefil. And my favourite one, Urko Vera. Hello, Vera, they said. And he scored after a minute from the spot, as soon as the penalty was given. He wanted it, dispatched it, sort of, in off the bar. This is a guy whose first career league goal came in La Liga uh, for Athletic Club, very much uh, from the Basque country, which is interesting as well. Somewhere I visited last summer, which I could tell you about if you, if you wanted. And, um, and he's, he's recently been playing for Cluj uh, in Romania. I've he's played under Dan in... Petrescu before. I've been to Cluj. Really, yeah, lovely, lovely place. I could recommend it if you're looking for somewhere to go um, in Romania. Nice. He's also played in uh, South Korea, of course, and and actually had a very good goal-scoring record for a year or two in um, whatever they call the uh, the Segunda, the, the second tier in Spain. But
1: my one concern, and you know, this has got Oldham's current. Um, position written all over it he's never played more than 38 league games for a team so do not, don't for a second think that Mr Vera is going to be sticking around for a long time I think his, uh, he's using his, his football career as a passport to see as much of the world as possible and he's currently uh, lighting up Oldham
0: yeah uh, from the Basque region to Greater Manchester it's a, a well-trodden path I uh, wonder if he'll be he'll probably be staying with Ander Herrera just a, a shout. Another athletic club If not, we should alumnus. get in touch and see if they want to go for dinner or something. Just God, to, that'd be good. You know,
1: help Erko settle in. Help him
0: settle in. Anyway, it's been a joy talking to you guys. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we've been Ali and George from Not The Top 20. You can join us later on in the week on The Betting Show. Uh, we'd be grateful if you enjoyed this discussion of EFL football and other topics surrounding that. Uh, If you could give this a share, if you've got this far and you've enjoyed it on Facebook, on Twitter, on your fan forum, um, I always feel weird saying please share on the forums. But if you look at the stats, uh, that's where a link holds the most value. I think it's fair to say if someone shares the link on a forum and encourages people to listen, we can get 100, 200 extra, extra listens, extra downloads, which is massive for us. In trying to attract more listeners, so thanks very much for joining us. But maybe don't get them to listen to this one because the sound quality is a bit
1: dodgy. Yeah, feel like listen to the next one, which will be really good on Friday, Thursday probably.
0: Thanks very much for listening.